All right. Well, good morning, everyone. Aloha. All right. Would you go ahead and open your Bibles to James chapter 5? If you do not have your Bibles, no worry, chicken curry. All right. In your bulletins, uh, they would have the notes over there along with the scripture. And we're going to conclude our series in the book of James it's called Faith Works in James chapter 5, verses 7 through 12. And um, as we do that, I'm so glad to be back. Um, could we appreciate Renee once again just for um, Saturday, uh, Friday, no, Thursday afternoon last week, my throat started feeling super sore, and by Friday, I was completely bedridden, and I was like, I'm going to rough it out. I have my message ready already, and Saturday morning, I told Renee, babe, do you think you could preach, and uh, I'm just so out of it, so I ended up having a fever and strep throat, and uh, I was sidelined for like four days, and I even looked up WebMD. Uh, how do you, I know if I have a bed sores? Because like my back is feeling like I've been just sitting in bed the whole time laying down. But thank you, Jesus, for rest, for water, and for prayers, and for antibiotics. Can I get an amen, right? Uh, as, and as that happened, uh, Monday morning was the first day that I actually felt like I could get out of bed. And uh, as that happened, um, that was the day, as we all know, with Samantha still being in the hospital. So Renee and I uh, spent about four hours at, at Queens and um, still contending, still believing that God would raise her from the dead. Um, uh, but the Lord had different plans. And not even finishing that, uh, that day, after being just bedridden, I get a text. Like, Pastor John, could you visit my tutu? 88 years old, um, I think it's her last moments. Uh, so I got home, dropped Renee off, breathed for like 30 minutes, and then headed to Kuokini and um, prayed with a, a Tutu Lum and was able to, 14 years old, 88 years old on the same day, and it's just been going nonstop. Uh, and even yesterday, uh, being in the funeral, after funeral, we came back here to set the church up from four to five, but there was a miscommunication mis with the papers, so we waited for an hour outside for the custodian to come, we, and then after that, Kumon, which is one of our community projects, they had a movie night, so we had to help them, and so stayed up here till almost eight o'clock yesterday, and man, life goes so fast. Just the velocity and the busyness of life, it never stops. Life is so quick and because of that we we want to live in an instant gratification and we do live in an instant gratification society that embraces a life experience of immediate comfort and immediate ease a couple years ago uh apple came out with an apple watch and I, I don't know, if you have an Apple Watch, I'm not player hating, I'm congratulating, all right? Don't play hate, congratulate. So I'm congratulating you if you have one, but it just didn't make sense to me. You, you know, like, oh, it saves you time, okay? You know, instead of fumbling around one, two, to check the time, you just go like this. I'm like, really, $400 for that, right? So that you could have your time or get your notifications right away. Um, how many of you, if you watch Netflix, or Hulu, or how many Disney Plus members in here? Woo woo, right? And so, a lot of wasted hours. And uh, if you just watch something on Netflix and you see that, like, 
I know her, I know him. I've seen his face before. You know what, what movie has he been in? It looks so familiar. And so you go to IMDB, you look it up, and you want inf information right away that quickly. And you can't even enjoy a movie because now you're like, oh, I've, I remember that. And you play, begin to play the six degrees of Kevin Bacon, and you see how they're all related and what movie they're from, and we can't, why? Because we get instant information right away. We can't even enjoy uh, something so simple as watching a movie. Watching a show right over here at McDonald's. I'm loving it. You know, they, we not only want fast food, but we want fast, fast food. It's not just one lane through drive-through. How many lanes? Two lanes with two intercoms. And now you could just mobile order everything where you don't have to wait. The, wait, the food waits for you to come. When you go to Starbucks, you just mobile order. You just go, peace out. Or if you're that lazy, you could go to Kahala and go through the drive-thru. You don't even have to leave your car for a drive-thru Starbucks. We live in such an instant society. How many of you have Venmo or Cash App or Zelle, right? Where it's just like, oh, instead of writing a, you write a check and then you, you go to the bank, you deposit it. It's like, you know what, just Cash App me. I'm like, really? You're like, yeah, Cash App me. This is my name and you, know, you, you give your cash instantly. Everything is so fast and so instant. Where we lack the virtue of patience. In James chapter five or seven, we have this anti-gospel of instance where James is extolling the virtue of patience. Patience. And so with that, could we all stand together and let's read James chapter five, verses seven through 12, as we conclude our series on patience in suffering. Patience in suffering. I'll go ahead and read. You can follow along with your eyes. James chapter 5, verse 7. Be patient, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for that precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it until it receives the early and the late rains. You also be patient. Establish your hearts for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Do not grumble against one another, brothers, so that you may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. As an example of suffering and patience, brothers, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Behold, we consider those blessed who remained steadfast or those who remained Patient. You have heard of the steadfastness of Job. You have seen the purpose of the Lord and how the Lord is compassionate and merciful. But above all, my brothers, do not swear either by heaven or by earth or by any other oath, but let your yes be yes and your no be no, so that you may not fall under any condemnation. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we, we need you so much. I need thee every hour, oh precious Lord. One of the reasons why we need you so much is because we know a lot more than what we actually do. We all know that we need to be more patient. We know, 1 Corinthians 13, that says that love is patient. We know Galatians chapter 5 that the fruit of the Spirit 
is patience. We know 1 Peter chapter 3 that says that we are consider the patience of the Lord. And so, Lord, there's a disconnect to the substance of our life, to what we actually know, from our head knowledge to the reality of our existence. And Lord, we need you, Holy Spirit, to bridge that gap. We need you, Holy Spirit, so that we will not just be passive hearers from one ear or out the other, or from one ear and it stays in our minds, but we need you, Holy Spirit, to transform and make alive these truths from our ears into our minds, from our minds, Lord, that it would sink down into our hearts to the core of who we are, and from our hearts, Lord, to our hands and feet so that we will be active doers of the word. So, Lord, would you give your people patience? Lord, that spiritual fruit, that characteristic of love, God, that it would be entrenched and be a part of who we are. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. You know, sometimes one of the dangers of reading your Bible sporadically and one of the dangers of even doing your devotions, even though it's daily, is that we go through the Bible and especially if we miss a day or so and, or a couple weeks or months or so and we just want to read and do something and so that we could get something, pick something out and apply it to our lives. So for example, James chapter five or seven says, be patient until the coming of the day of the Lord. And then for us, we were like, okay, be patient. And we're just like, oh, when I sit through traffic at UH, oh, I need patience. When the students come back after Christmas break, oh, I need patience, Lord. Or I need patience with my kids. They drive me crazy. Oh, I need patience, Lord, with UH. Finally, after so many losing seasons, they make it to the conference finals for Mountain West Division, right? I need patience with Coach Rolo. I need patience for this. And we pick and choose without really thinking critically about what scholars call the sits im Leben which is a German term meaning life situation. Because the life situation in James chapter five verse seven consists of James chapter five verses one through six. What happens in one through six? What was the life situation? Remember verse one says, come now those of you who are rich, weep and howl for the coming miseries are upon you. Right? The wages of the laborers that you withheld, you're not paying people, and it's reaching the ears of the Lord of hosts, and there will be a day of judgment. Meaning that the life situation of James chapter 5 is not sitting through traffic or not yelling at your kids. It's about people not being able to eat. It's people, those specifically, those who are marginalized and those who were poor, who, who, who worked hard and they did not get compensation and they're looking around like, Lord, I'm doing what I can here. Father, would you please intervene? Would you please intercede? Because we're, we're, we're not living out here. Give us this day our what? Daily bread. And so they were really suffering. And the situation is extreme suffering to the point of not even survival, and what is the response, or what is the remedy in James chapter five or seven? It's not resistance, it's not opposition, it's not revolution, it is what? Patience. 
So would you write down, number one, there's four reasons why we need to be patient. Number one, be patient because Jesus is coming back soon. Be patient because Jesus the Christ is coming back soon. Let's look at verse 7 and 8. Therefore, be patient. We could go back. Uh, Craig, please, verse 7. Therefore, be patient, brothers, until when? The coming of the Lord. Let's look at verse 8. Also be patient, establish your hearts for the coming of the Lord. Now, I want you to know that the word patience there, makrothumeo, occurs 10 times in the New Testament. Four times is mentioned here in just these five verses with James. And there's a marriage here that James wants to present as his thesis between patience and the coming of the Lord. Look at verse 7, uh, that's slide number 5, Craig, that we are to be patient in light of the coming of the Lord, meaning that patience has its limits, that we cannot be patient forever, that we can only take so much. Some of us, you know, in order to go through transformation, we need to have a Popeye moment. That Popeye moment of like, that's all I could stand. I could stand no more, right? I'm a nice guy, but this Brutus guy, a Bluto guy, he's really getting on my nerves, trying to steal my girl olive oil, right? That he, there's this patience that he has. He keeps getting hit, but patience, patience has its limits, and patience runs out. And so James is saying, is like, be patient until the coming of the day of the Lord. The word patient there, it's, it's to remain steadfast or to wait patiently. It's used in Hebrews chapter 6, verse 15 of Abraham. As it says, after waiting so patiently, Abraham received what was promised. Bible quiz time. How old was Abraham when he received the promise that he was going to be a father to many nations? 75. Question, how long or what age did Abraham first get his son Isaac? 100. 25 years of waiting patiently for the promises of God to be fulfilled. It's used in Matthew 18, 26, the parable of the unforgiving servant says, be patient with me and I will repay you everything. Just hold on, please until the coming of the day of the Lord. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 13, continues this marriage between patience and the coming of the Lord. Look at verse 13. Therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober, being sober-minded, set your hope on the grace or the gift to be brought about to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. Now, there's two ways to interpret um, the word, the day of the Lord there. It could be translated as a day of judgment when God the Father would just uh, judge the nations, or it refers to, which I believe in, which I believe the 
that James is referring to, it refers to the parousia or the return of Jesus Christ, that the day of the Lord equals Jesus Christ coming back. That we are to hold on, that we're not to step in our, walk in our flesh, but we're to hold on till when? Jesus Christ returns. And what is the context of this? Suffering. If you're going through misery right now, if you're going through hardship, if you're going through difficulties, the Word of God says, hold on and be patient until Jesus Christ comes back because that is where we anchor our hope in. In theology, we call this eschatological dualism. The word eschatos in Greek means last. In the last days, there is a dualism. Why is there sickness? Why is there death? How come a 14-year-old girl is, gets, passes away without seemingly any explanation, completely healthy, played soccer her whole life, has a whole life ahead of her, and then she suffers through this. Why is this happening? I thought, why do bad things happen to good people? How can I make sense of this? It's because right now we are living in this present evil age. Right now we live in an age where there's sickness, there's death, there's cancer, there's sex trafficking, there's evil that's injustice that's happening in this world. Now, through the life, death, and specifically through the resurrection of Jesus, there is now the kingdom of God or this present, the, the age to come. So what happens is that in the last days, since the resurrection of Jesus, you and I, we are living in eschatos. In the last days, we're living in eschatological, eschatological dualism. We're living between the kingdom of this earth, this present evil age of sin and sickness and injustice, and the kingdom of God is running parallel. And the hope of the Christian is the, re the return of Jesus Christ. It is when Jesus Christ comes back, First Thessalonians says at the loud shout, and the, with the shout of an angel and with the loud trumpet, Jesus Christ shall return. You know what's gonna happen? This present evil age will be done away with, and the kingdom and the reign and the rule of God will continue for all of eternity. When Jesus Christ comes back, right now this is where we're at. There's this tension between the, word, the way the world is and the way the world should be. The kingdom of this age and the kingdom of God. In the meantime, when we go through suffering, when we go through hardship, when we go through sickness, when we go through pain, when we go through death, when we go through betrayal, when we go through the loss, and we're experiencing this present evil age, we contend for and we live as the people of God in the kingdom of God and we look forward to when Christ comes back, he will completely eradicate this present evil age. This is the hope of the believer. That we don't hope for the sake of hope. We don't believe for the sake of belief. That our hope and our belief has an object and our object and our hope is in the return of Jesus Christ.
That at the return of Jesus Christ, all the crooked paths that we've gone through, it will be made straight. All the wrongs that we have suffered here on earth, Jesus will make it right. All the wickedness that has occurred, whether systemic violence or systemic injustice, racial, prejudicial, sexual, whatever it may be, gender issues, whatever it may be, God will make it right when Jesus Christ comes back. And this is our hope. There's an old song in the 80s, don't worry, right? Be happy, right? Bobby McFerrin. And it's like, if you ask him, don't worry, just be happy. Why? Don't, just be happy. Why should I not worry? Why should I just be happy? And just be, just do that. I'm like, I need to have a reason why. And we hope, not for the sake of having hope, we hope in the return of Jesus Christ when the eradication of this present evil age is completely done away with. And this is what I'm like all in. This is what I've given my life to. That Jesus Christ will come back and his kingdom and his reign will rule forever. Titus 2, 11 through 14, for the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all people, teaching us to deny ungodliness and worldly passions, that we should live self-controlled and upright godly lives in this present evil age. Verse 13, while we wait, while we wait for the appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Do you know that God's grace teaches you to wait upon him? That God's grace teaches you, he longs for you. Hey, I'm coming back. It's okay, son. It's okay, daughter. It's all right. I'm coming back soon. Daddy will make it all right, and daddy will make it all better. You cannot see me now. You cannot embrace me now. You cannot touch me now. You can't fall down and worship me now. But when I come back, I will make things right. Until then, the people of God are to wait patiently. Let me ask you, what? Where's your hope? What do you hope in? I think some of us would say, you know what? Here in East Honolulu, man, no matter what happens, I got equity on my home, and it'll always keep going up. And no matter what happens in the mainland with the economy and the reception, uh, recession and with a real estate bubble, you know what, I'll always have equity in my home. That's where I put my hope in, really? Some of us, we put our hope in our degrees, in our accomplishments. Hey, no matter what life throws at me, I have an Ivy League education. I have a good head on, my shoulder, head on my shoulders. Hey, I have a strong work ethic and I could work my way through anything. I could survive through any economy because I work hard. Is that where you're hoping? In your own ability, in your own strength? Some of you are hoping, you put, your, you put everything in your situation. Like, oh man, when my parents pass, you know, they already told me that they're gonna, I'm gonna have the inheritance and all these different things are gonna, are gonna come and so I'm just gonna wait and I'm just gonna suffer, but I'm hoping that I will get this. Some of us, we put our hope in our health. I eat clean, I exercise. I do my best, I work out. Are you putting your hope in your health? 
Well, could I say to you this morning that the Christian, we put our hope in the return of Jesus Christ. This is the surest foundation that it might, the Lord might not vindicate you in this life, but by the authority of God's word, as a minister of the gospel, in the life to come when Christ returns, all will be made right. All will be made right. At the meantime, we anchor and we look and we yearn. This is word, it's an Aramaic, it's called Maranatha. It's used in Revelation 22. Paul uses it in 1 Corinthians or 2 Corinthians where he says, return Jesus, come back. Lord, I'm longing for you to make, to return and, and fix everything and make things right. I'm longing for you to heal my heart. I'm longing for you, Lord, to have a, re, a reunion with, with Sammy, God. That's what my hope is, that you're going to come back and you're going to make, make things right. And so be patient until the coming of the day of the Lord. Secondly, and we'll go, go, just go ahead and close with this point. I know we have four points, but um, just wanted to marinate on that. But number two, would you write down, be patient because God is producing fruit in you. Be patient. Why should we be patient? We should be patient until Jesus Christ comes back or because Jesus Christ is coming back, but also we're to be patient because God is doing something in each one of us. He's producing fruit. Look at James chapter 5, verse 7. See how the farmer waits. There's the idea of patience there. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it until it receives the early and the late rains. Now, when we think of farming, we think of like big industrial farms or, or just big ginormous farming industry. But what James had in mind here, where barely free, not in slavery, but barely free families or farmers that their whole livelihood depended on the early and the late rain. That these farmers in the deserts of Palestine, they would plant carefully the same seeds and they would hope for a harvest. And what they would do is that as they planted, they lived on short rations and they even suffered hunger for weeks at a time. So they would give what they have. They were ration things out. They would plant the seeds until one day, Lord, I'm giving, this is all I got, God. So would you send forth your what? Early and late rain. Be patient because God is producing fruit in you. Now, let me just say this real quickly as we uh, come to a close. Patience is a virtue. Patience is a spiritual discipline and it's also a spiritual fruit. You cannot attain it on your own. The fruit of the, sp the Spirit of God has to do it for you and in you. There's a book by uh, Robert Freiling called Leadership Ellipse. And he talked about the importance of Sabbath and rest. And so he met up with um, 
Dallas Willard, who is the professor of philosophy at USC, strong Christ follower. A lot of his books, Dallas Willard has really shaped and molded my spirituality, whether renovation of the heart, the spirit of the disciplines. Um, but anyways, so he approaches, he asked, hey, you as a Christ follower, almost like a pastor, Dallas Willard, and in your discipline and your, your knowledge of philosophy, what is one of the most spiritual things that I can do to be a healthy person, emotionally healthy, spiritually healthy, that how could I have self-care for myself? What can I do? Do I need to pray more? Do I need to read my Bible more? What, what, what's the one thing that I could do to be healthy? He said, ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. Ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. Do whatever is in your power to make sure parents with all the soccer practice, basketball practice, music lessons, tutoring, math, and all the different responsibilities that you and I have that we ruthlessly eliminate hurry from our lives, that we make sure that we don't add on extra stuff on top of extra stuff, that we ruthlessly take stuff out. Season of pruning, right? that things grow if things are pruned. Less is more. We're so conditioned to being so fast and so busy and so hurried that one of the best things that you and I can do is eliminate hurry from our lives. Take the time to say no to things. Take the time to just be present. You don't need to go to another engagement. You don't need to go to another party. You don't need to commit yourself to another thing. Remove these hurt, the things in your life that's causing so much hurry and so much striving in us so that we could be present with God. Patient because God is producing work. Look at James chapter 1, verse 2. If we go to the next slide. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet, various, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know... The testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. That when you and I go through trials and we're patient about it, that we don't act on our flesh, that we don't want to fix the problem away, but let God show up and let God show off when we allow the patience of God to run through us and we become mediums and the means of the patience of God, then James says that, man, steadfastness has this effect that you and I are mature. Patience produces maturity. How many of you, when you were a kid, you just couldn't wait for Christmas? You, my kids, oh, dad, 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 dad. look, 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 I went through Amazon, look, 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 oh my gosh, I can't wait, 30 more days, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, ah. they're just so like, oh my gosh, calm down, right, and they're just so impatient, oh, I can't wait, I can't sleep, oh my goodness, there's what I'm going to do the first day, I'm going to do an unboxing on YouTube, I'm like, really, nobody's going to watch it, anyways, and so, <laughs> like, oh, I'm going to do this, and they just can't wait to do all these different things, and it's like, just be patient, lack 
of patience shows your immaturity. James says, when you go through trials, let patience run its course so that you could be just mature. And lastly, 2 Corinthians 4, not only does patience produce maturity, but patience prepares us. You could write that down, that patience produces preparation. How so? 2 Corinthians 4, we do not lose heart, though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light, momentary affliction is what? Preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison as we look not to the things that are unseen, to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. Patience produces preparation, this weight of glory. Now, we're gonna conclude this series uh, by just watching uh, a video of a song called Though You Slay Me by Shane and Shane, and in the middle of it, there's this sermonette from John Piper speaking on 2 Corinthians 14, and how our light momentarily, momentary affliction produces something in us. How when we patiently endure through hardship, it produces something in our character. Let's prepare our hearts and let's take a look.
for me You're enough for me Oh Not only is all your affliction momentary, not only is all your affliction light in comparison to eternity and the glory there, but all of it is totally meaningful. Every millisecond of your pain from the fallen nature or fallen man, every millisecond of your misery in the path of obedience is producing a peculiar glory you will get because of that. I don't care if it was cancer or criticism. I don't care if it was slander or sickness. It wasn't meaningless. It's doing something. It's not meaningless. Of course you can't see what it's doing. Don't look to what is seen. When your mom dies, when your kid dies, when you got cancer at 40, when a car careens into the sidewalk and takes her out. Don't, don't say, it's meaningless. It's not. It's working for you an eternal weight of glory. Therefore, therefore, do not lose heart, but take these truths and day by day, Focus on them. Preach them to yourself every morning. Get alone with God and preach His Word into your mind until your heart sings with confidence that you are new and cared for. Oh, you me, yet I will praise you. Oh, you Let these words marinate in your soul. Be patient, therefore, brothers and sisters, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it until it receives the early and the late rains. You also be patient. Establish your hearts for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Let's pray. Lord, there's some here. Some of us, oh God, are at our wit's end. 
We're at the end of our rope. Some of us are sick and tired of being sick and tired. But Lord, your word says, do not grow weary in doing good. For in due season, in due season, you will reap a harvest. So Father, I pray that the things that we were praying for, the prayers that we're believing for, the people that we're lifting up to you, Lord God, that we would not grow weary in doing good, that we would not lose hope, Lord, that we would anchor our faith, our trust, our future, Lord, in your return. Father, I pray, Lord, that you would make, make up our minds, O oh God, that our minds would be made, that our hearts would be set, that it would be resolved in our soul, O oh Lord God, that you are coming back. And Lord, that that would change us. It would change our priorities. It would change our relationships. It would change the way, Lord, that we spend our time. It would change the way that we spend our money. It would change the way, Lord God, that we spend our leisure, oh Jesus. Father, I pray that the eminence, the closeness of Jesus Christ return, Lord, that that would be a reality. That that would be something, Lord, that we look forward to, that we anticipate, that we long for. Lord, that your return would be something, Lord, that we would anchor our hope in. Not in ourselves, not in our circumstance, not in our situations, not in our ability, not in our strengths, but until Jesus Christ and his return. And so, Father, I pray that you would fill your people right now through the power of your Holy Spirit. Fill them with hope. Fill them, Lord, with resolute resolve, O God. Strengthen them. Give them grace upon grace, Lord, that they would know that your grace is sufficient. And so, Father, I pray and I thank you that you could bring us to church this morning and as we hunger and thirst after righteousness, Lord, we shall be filled. So satisfy your people with your goodness. Fill us, O oh God, with your countenance, Lord. C cause your face to shine upon each one of us that we would walk out, Lord, in patience until your return. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus.